The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The October 18th edition is brought to you by Orcas Center. I'm Caleb Summers. Headlines from the week of October 18th, 2023. Tale of a Tuna Gone Adrift. Help Victoria Fight Cancer Fall 2023 Great Islands Cleanup Successfully Removes 1,800 Pounds of Litter Sports Rundown Plus Excerpts from the Sheriff's Log First, from the Islands Sounder, Tale of a Tuna Gone Adrift By Colleen Smith-Summers in early July, the body of a flawless 250-pound, six-foot Pacific bluefin tuna washed ashore on Crescent Beach. It puzzled scientists, caught the attention of news outlets, and sparked a lively debate about how an animal never before seen in the Salish Sea appeared on Orcas Island. The cause of death has officially been determined. After venturing into inland waters, the tuna inadvertently beached itself. Sea Dog Society chief scientist Dr. Joe Gatos and communications manager Justin Cox, along with his 10-year-old son Noah, were some of the first locals on the scene on July 11th. In the months that followed, Cox created a deep-dive investigation into the incident on the Sea Dog Society's Pod of Orcas podcast, interviewing the scientist who performed the necropsy, kayakers who likely witnessed the tuna in East Sound in the days before its death, and the Orcas man who harvested 45 pounds of sushi before the body was hauled away. It was a blast, and I'm proud of it, Cox said. According to NOAA, most of the U.S. catch of Pacific bluefin tuna is within about 100 nautical miles of the California coast. They are highly migratory, traveling long distances throughout the Pacific Ocean, and found primarily in temperate ocean waters, but also in the tropics and cooler coastal regions. Bluefin tuna are a delicacy that can sell for millions of dollars, Fishermen have reported seeing them far offshore in Washington state, but never has one been documented in the Salish Sea. When Gatos first saw the fish on Crescent Beach, his reaction was, That is a big-ass tuna, although he wasn't precisely sure what type it was. Notably, it showed up the same day that the Field Guide to Fishes of the Salish Sea was released. After flipping through the pages and not seeing it in the guide, Gatos became excited. When it wasn't in the book, I knew this was something big, he said. Gatos sent a photo to Dr. Adam Summers of the University of Washington Friday Harbor Labs, who quickly responded, That is a bluefin tuna! By the time Gatos and Cox had arrived that morning, Orcas resident Josh Brown had harvested a 45-pound filet. Gatos warned him against consuming the meat before a cause of death had been determined, but Brown was undeterred. 
He even lent his vintage army stretcher and helped Sea Dog's staff transport the fish to the public dock in West Sound, where collaborators at the University of Washington Friday Harbor Labs picked it up to perform a necropsy. Justin's son, Noah, made a sign that read, Fish for Scientists, that was placed on the outside of the orange cadaver bag. It will stick with him forever, laughed Justin. Here's a World War II gurney with a six-foot tuna trailing blood. Upon receiving the body, Summers was amazed at the state of the fish, which he estimated to be eight years old. It was an incredibly fresh animal. There was arterial red blood, no coagulating, he said. It was such a lucky event. We had my whole lab and a group of high school students also stopped by. The tuna was in beautiful shape. Joe told me that a local grabbed a knife and cut off a quarter of the tuna's flesh, and I said, holy mackerel, we don't even know what killed it. It was a very good butchering job. Brown says he got a call early in the morning on July 11th from a friend who saw the fish. Upon seeing a photo, he immediately got in the car with the biggest fillet knife he owned, his stretcher, and a tarp. He arrived at Crescent Beach and identified the specimen as a bluefin. It looked entirely fresh, he said. I knew it hadn't been there long. When I cut into it, it was warm and it still bled. Brown vacuum-packed the fillets, and for the rest of the summer he fed it to friends and family, who dubbed his house the Sushi Lounge. He is a master chef, and the sushi was delectable, said daughter-in-law Laura Cussman. Once news of the tuna had spread, two Orcas kayakers realized they may have seen it around July 4th. Jean Agapoff and Hugh Everett, who often kayak off of Crescent Beach in the evenings, recalled seeing an animal swimming back and forth very quickly, leaving a ten-foot wake over the course of two days. They thought it may have been a minke whale due to its dorsal fin. It was an extremely bizarre swimming pattern under the bluff, Agapoff said. The following night we saw it again swimming along the beach, it was following the beach line very closely both nights. It made me feel like it was an animal pacing in a pen. It was like it was trapped. It was so agitated. Summers explained that bluefin tuna are not wired to understand tides or shorelines. He guesses that the tuna was traveling with a large class from California, heading to Japan, when he accidentally separated from the group. It was no great surprise that the kayakers saw a big panicked fish zipping back and forth, Summers said. Getting stuck is a death sentence. It's a very fast fish. He and his team determined from the gravel and sand in the tuna's gills and mouth that it made a bad choice about where to be when the tide dropped. He beached himself, and he died. He was in perfect condition, no bruising, no harm, Summers said. Once the exam was complete and it was confirmed that the fish was healthy, more fillets were harvested and shared among the scientists. It was fabulous meat. It did not go to waste, Summers said. 
The skeleton of the animal will be on display at the Burke Museum of Natural History and Culture in Seattle, where it will be the first bluefin tuna specimen in the museum that came from the state of Washington. For now, scientists agree that the appearance of this tuna was a fluke, and that it is unlikely more will appear. We know we are at the precipice of change due to climate change and the ocean warming, but we can't say that this is a trend with one fish, Gatos said. The full episode can be heard on Sea Dog Society's Pod of Orcas podcast. From the Journal of the San Juan Islands, Help Victoria Fight Cancer Dear friends and family, islanders and supporters, we are reaching out with our humble hearts to share the story of our dear friend Victoria Compton, whose life took an unexpected and distressing turn. Victoria has been fighting for our community for years, and now she's fighting to win her biggest battle yet, against HER2 cancer, an aggressive type of breast cancer. We created a GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com slash manage slash standwithvictoria to rally support and financial assistance for her during this formidable and difficult time. Life has pushed Victoria into an arena where her every ounce of strength, hope, and resilience are being tested. The financial burden and logistics alone of battling cancer are overwhelming, and while insurance covers some costs, her out-of-pocket costs have been and will be significant. Those include co-pays and co-insurance costs for the medical care she needs, surgery, an entire year of chemo, trips to the ER, tests for heart damage that the chemo can cause, radiation, plus travel to the mainland, including housing. The treatment and travel are emotionally and financially draining and physically exhausting. As a devoted single mother in the midst of this daunting journey, Victoria stands as a beacon of strength for her loved daughter, Lily, their dog, Abby, and her 88-year-old mother, whom she's also helping to care for. An islander for over 30 years, Victoria has always been committed to serving her community. At the nonprofit EDC, Victoria has helped hundreds of our workers and business owners, assisting people in the pandemic and the Friday Harbor Fire, and leading community initiatives like workforce trades and tech programs. As a mom, she raised funds to make Friday Harbor Elementary more secure and to keep our kids safer. She did, and continues to do, all of this work and more because she loves her community so much. She works every day of the year to help us. At the beginning of this journey, we suggested a GoFundMe campaign to Victoria, but she said she didn't want to bother people and would be embarrassed. We told her we would have a hard time doing the same. However, we're more than comfortable stepping in for her support. We hope for an outpouring of support to alleviate the mounting burden of expenses, allowing Victoria to concentrate her boundless energy on healing, continuing her work at our EDC, and also caring for Lily, Abby, and her mom. 
while many wonderful friends and neighbors have graciously stepped up with meals, local pilot rides to chemo appointments, and rides to work and school for her daughter, additional costs are significant and will be for months to come as she goes through radiation treatment and the year of chemo. She is so grateful for everyone's support, and now we need to help her more. Please join us in this crucial mission to lighten Victoria's load, buoy her spirits, and tangibly express our collective love and support for this community-minded woman who has worked so hard for so many years to assist our workers, kids, and entrepreneurs. If we all pull together, we can help so that she can get back to work for our community and for our families. With heartfelt gratitude for your compassion and generosity, Ali Moali, Amanda Azus, Taylor Bruce, and Anji Ringzen. www.gofundme.com slash manage slash stand with Victoria. Fall 2023 Great Islands Cleanup successfully removes 1,800 pounds of litter. In an inspiring display of community unity and environmental stewardship, 164 dedicated volunteers came together to participate in the Fall Great Islands Cleanup on Orcas, San Juan, Shaw, and Lopez Islands. Their collective efforts resulted in the removal of 1,871 pounds of litter from 50 miles of island roads and beaches. Katie Fleming, Solid Waste Coordinator with San Juan County's Department of Environmental Stewardship, expressed gratitude for the community effort. We are thankful for this display of commitment to keeping our islands free from litter and plastic pollution, said Fleming. The Great Islands Cleanup, a beloved biannual event held each spring and fall, stands as a testament to the power of community collaboration. It is coordinated by the county's Department of Environmental Stewardship Solid Waste Program in partnership with Orcas Recycling Services, Lautenbach Recycling, Lopez Solid Waste Disposal District, San Juan Sanitation, Friends of the San Juans, the Stewardship Network of the San Juans, the Port of Friday Harbor, Zero Waste Washington, Plastic Free Salish Sea, and numerous dedicated individual business and service group volunteers. To find out more about how you can contribute to this ongoing mission of preserving our beautiful islands, visit PlasticFreeSalishSea.org slash adopt-a-beach. Together, we can ensure the continued cleanliness and health of our beloved islands year-round. About San Juan County's Department of Environmental Stewardship, San Juan County's Department of Environmental Stewardship is responsible for solid waste, marine resources, clean water, cultural resources, and climate and sustainability work. The department offices are located at 915 Spring Street, Friday Harbor, Washington, 98250. For more information about San Juan County's Department of Environmental Stewardship, visit sanjuanco.com slash 839 slash environmental stewardship. From the Islands Weekly, 
Sports Rundown by Micah Lupin. Fall sports are halfway through their seasons now, with both volleyball and soccer having played just around half their scheduled games, with some exciting results and tangible improvement. Your Lady Lobos volleyball team had a tough week, with three games all ending in losses despite putting up a hard fight, but pulled together for a win in three sets versus Lummy on Monday, October 9th. Standout players from the last few matches featured Amelia Patino for on-and-off-the-court leadership, Celine Rodriguez for her overall stellar and consistent performances, and Danny Arnott for her fantastic serves. The Lady Lobos are off the rest of this week working on team building and skill development in preparations for four games next week, three of which are at home. We'd love to see you there to support these student-athletes. Lobos soccer had an equally tough week, facing several skilled teams in a row. The losses to Orcus and Providence on our home field were disheartening, despite an overall improvement in performance. We traveled to Providence on Friday, October 6th, not long after our first match with them, and held them to 0-1 after losing 0-3 the first time around. The difference was staggering to watch, with the team's defensive line putting in some serious work. Despite having a hard time finding the back of the net, each game highlights the fantastic teamwork and notable increase in skill. We started this week off in Laconer for a conference game that felt significant to both players and fans and came away with a huge win in an overtime penalty kick shootout after Henry Robles tied the game with a beautiful goal in the last two minutes. While Lopez soccer has taken several teams into overtime, we've never left a PK shootout with a win, and the excitement was overwhelming. Standout players from the last few games include, but are not limited to, Oliver Rick, Iris Zeller, Anna Fuller, and Henry Robles. Our next home game is on October 18th, a homecoming matchup with JV at 2.30 p.m. and Varsity at 4. We'd love to see you there. All game highlights and players of the game can be found on the PAC's Facebook and Instagram accounts, and all game schedules are available on the school website. And now, choice excerpts from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. On October 4th, a San Juan deputy made contact with an intoxicated individual who was yelling at no one in particular, and causing a disturbance at the ferry landing. A report was made and forwarded to the courts for a probation violation. On October 5th, a Lopez individual reported his father selling the caller's four-wheeler to cover rent expenses. The matter was determined to be civil. Or uncivil, if you ask me. On October 8th, a Lopez deputy responded to an unwanted person call after an individual startled a neighbor when they came onto the property in search of a lost cat. On October 9th, a San Juan deputy responded to a report of animals being outside. 
The animal's owner said that the dogs are well cared for and can be outside at times because they are dogs. The owner was provided with county noise ordinance information. A deputy on San Juan took a report of a vehicle theft. After an investigation, it was determined to be civil in nature, because the owner had known the vehicle was going to be sold prior to its sale. Perhaps the buyer got it for such a great deal that it was criminal? Anyway... This concludes the October 18th edition of the Island Digest. This edition is brought to you by Orcus Center. Orcus Center is your place for fun and intrigue this fall, with live concerts, performances, art openings, and more. To check out upcoming events and purchase tickets, visit www.orcuscenter.org. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith-Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And come back again next week for more local news from San Juan County, Washington. I'm Caleb Summers.